All right, ladies and gentlemen, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman. And today is an all 22 review of the Falcons week 14 win over the Carolina Panthers. But the big topic of conversation that we're going to be having is answering a listener question about whether or not the Falcons should extend. You are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, guys, you know me, I'm Aaron Freeman. I've been covering Falcons for many years. Formerly at FalcFans.com. RIP, still going strong on Twitter at FalcFans, writing weekly content at the Falcoholic, the SB Nation website for the Atlanta Falcons, and, of course, the host of this world-renowned Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode is an all-22 review and Q&A, and today's episode is brought to you by Stance Apparel. Stance believes that the perfect fit matters more than fitting in. Enjoy the color and comfort of a life less ordinary with Stance. So as it is a Wednesday all-22 review episode and listener mailbag. Today's all 22 will be focusing on uh, whether or not Jalen Hawkins is poised to step in and fill Eric Harris's shoes as a starter. Cause that was one of the things I focused on when I watched the film. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the, what the film shows what the issues on the offense uh, going on, whether, you know, how much blame does Matt Ryan deserve? How much criticism does he deserve? Or how much criticism the wide receiver reserve? And basically this Carolina game to a certain extent, uh, is basically a perfect synthesis that both uh, of these two groups, I guess you could say, are, you know, contributing to the Falcons offense, uh, disappointing. But the big topic of conversation, usually we wait, you know, we do the all 22 stuff first and then we get into the mailbag at the end of the show. But the, the big topic of conversation that I'm, I'm sure a lot of people are invested in hearing, uh, is what the question, listener question is. And it comes from, Doug Phillips about sort of what is the exit strategy uh, in regards to Matt Ryan in the future of that position. And the the folks that locked on tell me uh, behind the scenes that you got to throw your best pitch first uh, to keep people engaged on the podcast. So I'm going to throw my best pitch first and, and talk about that. Normally I would start with the all 22 and, and that would lead us to, you know, starting defense then offense and then getting into that Matt Ryan conversation. But let's, let's jump right into the deep end uh, talking about that Matt Ryan extension and our question comes from Doug Phillips at Doug Phi one one Ips on Twitter. He asks, "What would be your preferred Matt Ryan outro in terms of timing slash potential contract retooling, and when would you prefer to see us take Matt Ryan's heir to the throne?" So I don't necessarily have a strong opinion on this. This is not like basically what I would do, or some of this is what I would do. Um, but some of this is what I think is going to happen. So ultimately my opinion on this doesn't really matter because the Falcons are going to do what the Falcons are going to do. But I, I think the Falcons are going to draft the quarterback this year. Um, you know, it's just a question of when they decide to pull the trigger on that. And there's basically like six quarterbacks that I think most people consider to be in the day one or day two conversation. So in the first three rounds of the draft conversation, that's Matt Corral of Ole Miss, Kenny Pickett of Pitt, Sam Howell of North Carolina, Desmond Ritter of Cincinnati, Malik Willis of Liberty, and Carson Strong of Nevada. And basically this offseason in the pre prelude to the draft is going to be about those six guys kind of jockeying for who's QB1, who's QB2, all that various stuff, and, and sort of trying to fit themselves into the round one conversation, potentially the top 10, top 15 conversation where I, I think ultimately the Falcons will wind up picking because, again, 
you know, I don't think the Falcons are making the playoffs, but um, you know, I think what's interesting is Todd McShay had a mock draft that came out on Tuesday, his first of the of season. And you think he had five quarterbacks taken in the first uh, round. I think everybody but Carson Strong out of these six guys I just named, he had him going around one. And I, I would be very surprised if that happened. I think the general consensus, and I, again, I haven't done a deep dive on this quarterback class. I'll wait till after the season to really do that. Um, but, you know, based off what I've seen and based off all the buzz I've heard is the general consensus is that no one likes this quarterback class. Uh, it's a down year. And when you see that, that tends to lead to teams being a lot more aggressive in March to address their quarterback situations. And we saw this exact situation happen in 2019, the last time we had a really weak quarterback class. And that class had Kyler Murray um, and Daniel Jones and Dwayne Haskins at the top of the draft and Drew Locke. Um, but you saw teams like Miami, Jacksonville, Tennessee, Denver, who had quarterback concerns, basically be very aggressive going out there, getting guys like Ryan Fitzpatrick, Josh Rosen, Nick Foles, Ryan Tannehill, and Joe Flacco that offseason because they weren't uh, b- believing that uh, they would be able to address their quarterback needs in the draft. And I think you're going to see a lot of QB needy teams do the same thing, given the perception of this class and the quality of quarterbacks going to be available this offseason uh, pale uh, or really are superior to what we saw in that 2019. You have potential trade options like Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, Jimmy Garoppolo, Tua Tagovailoa is potentially on the market. Drew Locke, Derek Carr could be on the market. I think Nick Foles is also a trade option. Uh, Baker Mayfield could be a trade option. Ben Roethlisberger, Teddy Bridgewater, um, Andy Dalton, Jameis Winston, Jacoby Brissett, Case Keenum, uh, Tyrod Taylor, Cam Newton, Mitch Trubisky, all these guys are going to be like free agents or potential trade options. Now, whether all those guys get moved, obviously we don't know, but I think teams are going to have opportunities that if they want to get aggressive and make an upgrade this offseason and get a veteran quarterback that has some potential and upside, they will have opportunities to do so this offseason. So I don't see for that reason, I don't see five quarterbacks going around one. Maybe it's two or three uh, that go for the teams that sort of whiff on the Rogers sweepstakes or the Wilson sweepstakes or the Watson sweepstakes or whatever the case may be. They still may go quarterback uh, in this draft or the Steelers go quarterback because they keep Ben Roethlisberger for another year and, and draft his heir apparent or something like that. But going back to that 2019 draft, you know, that had Kyler Murray. I don't, there's not a Kyler Murray from what I've seen in this draft. I think these guys are better than Daniel Jones and Dwayne Haskins, uh, some of these guys, but not all of them. Um, and so we'll just sort of have to see. And so I think the Falcons, for all that to say, the Falcons should have an opportunity to get one of these six guys on day two. Uh, one of those guys, at least one of those guys, if not two, three or more of those guys will be available with one of the two picks that they pick in round two. So I think they'll have their pick. And so to me, it makes a lot more sense for the Falcons to go for a Malik Willis or a Carson Strong or even Heisman snub Kenny Pickett, um, you know, than any of the current QB twos on the roster like Josh Rosen, Felipe Franks, or AJ McCarron, or to go after a veteran guy like Mitch Trubisky or Trevor Simeon or Case Keenum uh, that this coaching staff has some familiarity with. Like you would go with for the veteran route if you were firmly committed to Matt Ryan being the quarterback here for the next two to three years or more, um, but. I don't think this team is committed to that, nor should they be committed to that. And again, I know I'll get pushed back from this, but right now it makes no sense for the Falcons to be committed to Matt Ryan beyond the 2022 season. Um, you know, and so thus any conversation about extending Matt Ryan's contract to me is basically ridiculous as I see it. Like the Falcons should just basically do the thing that they've done the last couple of off seasons is restructure Matt Ryan and then see what happens in 2022 and then figure it out in 2023. Um, and basically, you know, I could spend another 
30 minutes breaking this down, but the quickest way I can explain it is um, when the Falcons extended Matt Ryan in 2018, it made sense. They were coming off two playoff seasons. He was an MVP. He had one of his best seasons in 2017. Um, they were a team that felt like they were competing for championships. That's why from 2017 to 2019, those three off seasons, Thomas Dimitrov spent a whole bunch of money keeping the band together, so to speak, extending guys like Devontae Freeman and Trufon and Ryan and Jake Matthews, Grady Jarrett, Deion Jones, Julio Jones, et cetera, um, to keep the band together because they thought they were competing for championships. Um, and that made sense at that time, uh, given the success that they had and certainly the success that Matt Ryan had to pay, make him one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the league at that time. But that doesn't make any sense right now. The Falcons aren't competing for championships. They're barely a playoff team. I mean, that that to me is a stretch at this point in time. Like, they're certainly not a playoff team. And, and you guys consistently tell me that they're one of the bottom five rosters in the NFL. Um, so they're not competing for that. And Matt Ryan's coming off what is going to be in 2021, even if he plays at an MVP level for the rest of the season, statistically one of the worst seasons he's ever had. Um, and, you know, this is why I have been saying for the last six months, it's going to be fascinating to me what they do this upcoming offseason. That's why we talked about it with Alan Stirk on last Friday's episode. We talked about the five big contracts, Matt Ryan, Jake Matthews, Grady Jarrett, Calvin Ridley, Deion Jones going into the offseason. Because are they going to extend these guys? Are they going to trade, extend, or restructure these guys, right? Because that approach is going to depend on where they think this team is. If they're in rebuild mode, then they're they're going to do the thing that I think a lot of people hope and or don't want them to do but kind of purge those contracts if they think they're they're this team is close and going to be back in playoff contention in the short term you know as early as potentially 2022 then it makes sense to re, to extend those guys if they're not sure about that which i think is probably where they are then you just kind of restructure and just kick that can down the road and we'll see like we'll see if we're in a better position in 2023 from a cap standpoint and from a roster standpoint and all these various things before we make any long-term commitments to these players and Matt Ryan fits into that category you know he's going to be 37 coming off uh, one of the, again one of the worst seasons he's ever had and his decline isn't simply related to the supporting cast. We'll get more into that when we talk about the all 22 from Sunday's game. But, you know, when you're talking about Grady Jarrett, extending him makes sense, but he's going to be a huge number. Calvin Ridley extension for him for wide receiver ones is going to be a huge number. Do you want to put yourself in the same situation that we sit here and complain about Thomas Dimitrov ruining this team for putting this team in the bad cap situation when you don't even have the justification that Thomas Dimitrov did, which is you're a good football team, at least you think you're a good football team at that point in time, you don't have that justification now. So you're going to basically do the same thing, treat the cap the same way that Thomas Dimitrov did, which, again, is fine. If you win, if you win games, then no one's going to complain about it. But if you don't win games, then we're going to sit here and be like Terry Fontenot is even dumber than Thomas Dimitrov because he didn't have a Super Bowl season and a second round playoff exit where the Falcons were basically one play away from the NFC championship game, right? He doesn't have that excuse now. So it's even dumber in theory to put the team in a, in a worse cap situation. You already owe Matt Ryan a ton of money, right? You know, if, if you do nothing on his contract, you owe him $92 million over the next two years. That's 21% of your salary cap. Uh, if you restructure him but pay his roster bonuses, that's $72 million, 17%. If you restructure him and don't pay any of his roster bonuses, it's $57 million, which is still 13% of the salary cap, which is a high-end amount of money for a quarterback 
on a championship caliber team. We talked about this in the offseason where, you know, a listener asked, you know, how much uh, money is it possible to compete? You know, is Matt Ryan's cap hit hurting this team from winning championships? And you go back over the last decade. Typically, you don't see teams making it to the conference championship level or the Super Bowl that are paying their quarterback more than like 13 or 14 percent of their salary cap. And the Falcons are already committed to that. And then you want to extend him and give him even more money than that when this team is not even close to being a, a championship caliber team. It makes no sense, guys. So the goal right now should be to lower Matt Ryan's contract as much as possible. Certainly extending him could do that, but it forces you to have to commit to him beyond the 2023 season, which I don't think at this point in time, Matt Ryan has given you any reason from a, a playing standpoint to make that commitment, right? It's no different than what the Carolina Panthers did stupidly this offseason when they traded for Sam Darnold. They gave up a whole bunch of value for him and then said, we're committed to Sam Darnold and sight unseen, we're going to extend his fifth year contract. And now they owe him $18 million guaranteed money that they can't get out of unless they can trade him for basically pennies on the dollar for what they gave to New York to acquire him. They would basically take a 2042 seventh round conditional pick just to take the $18 million off their books next season. That's how bad a trade it is. And for the Falcons, and again, I know you're sitting here saying Matt Ryan's better than Sam Darnold, but it's the same principle, guys. You're committing to a player that you have no reason to commit to long term. So restructure Matt Ryan's contract, have a potential to be able to get out of that contract in 2023. Uh, if you can, if he has a bounce back year in 2022, plays like the top 10 quarterback, this offense is cooking, playing like a top 10, top 15 offense, and the Falcons are, are back in playoff, are really in playoff contention, and it's not going to basically be a historically bad uh, football team making the playoffs because of the expanded playoff format like it could potentially be this year, and the Falcons are legitimately a good team, then in 2023, you can talk about an extension. But if not, if that doesn't happen and Matt Ryan is again, a middling quarterback, this offense is again struggling and against a significantly harder schedule in 2022, this team is, is, you know, having another losing season and you're going to be in a position at the top of that draft, picking in the top 10 and in it, what is many people perceive to be a better quarterback class where you're going to have potential options at the top of that 2023 or you know, that 2022 second round pick that we're talking about, that Malik Willis, that Carson Strong, that Kenny Pickett that you take this year, maybe you want to basically give him a year uh, and, and use the $25 million in the cap savings from trading Matt Ryan in 2023 to then build up your roster, to then put the supporting cast around that quarterback, whether it's your 2022 pick or your 2023 pick, that you guys, you know, are basically complaining we haven't given Matt Ryan. But, you know. Now you would have the resources to do so with $25 million in cap savings in 2023, at least $25 million in cap savings, just by restructuring him this off season, right? You can get that savings by restructuring him this off season and then trading him in 2023. If that is the course and you want, if you're Terry Fontenot, you want to have that cap flexibility. You don't want to basically say we're committed to paying Matt Ryan 2023 money and, and potentially 2024 money with a, a contract extension without seeing him earn it. That's the point. And so to me, any talk of Matt Ryan, um, you know, getting extension to me is, is ridiculous, but we will end it on that note, uh, turn our attention to the all 22, uh, the thing that some of you guys are here to hear me talk about. Uh, and we'll start off by talking more about Matt Ryan and the ongoing struggles of the offense. And we'll talk about, you know, talked about how this was Matt Ryan's best game in recent weeks, but we'll talk about a couple of plays that Matt Ryan missed. And we'll talk about a couple of plays that the receivers missed and why this is, the cause both 
of the quarterback play in the wide receiver group is a cause of the downturn in the Falcons offense uh, this season. But before we get into that, guys, I want to let you know that Super Bowl at SoFi is only a couple of weeks away and on location. The official hospitality partner of the NFL is the only place to score a once in a lifetime Super Bowl ticket and experience package. You can select your exact seats and choose from elite experiences featuring exclusive pregame celebrations with NFL legends, five-star LA hotels and food by Wolfgang Puck. All you got to do is just go to onlocationexp.com slash SB56 for more information or search Super Bowl on location. That's onlocationexp.com slash SB56 or search Super Bowl on location for more information. We are in the holiday season and you're probably like me. You sit here and you struggle to find the right gifts for your friends and loved ones. Every year, my friends and family do a white elephant gift exchange. And I always struggle to find the perfect gift for that. And I don't think I will have that problem this year because of Stance. Founded in 2009, Stance Apparel represents a radical reinvention of socks, underwear, and active apparel. With a sharp focus on comfort, quality, and creativity, Stance brings an atypical aesthetic alongside some of pop culture's hottest collaborators for the ultimate in style and self-expression. Because everything you wear should be a direct extension of who you are and how you feel. Stance has everything from socks, t-shirts, hoodies. You can get Wu-Tang stuff, shorts, underwear, hats, beanies, face masks. You got Disney stuff, Wu-Tang stuff, all the types of things that you can find at stance.com. And when you go to stance.com, make sure you use the promo code locked on at checkout and you'll get 15% off your first order. That's promo code locked on at stance, S-T-A-N-C-E.com. Enjoy the color and comfort and a life less ordinary this holiday season with stance. So let's talk a little bit about the all 22 from the Falcons week 14 game. And I think, as I said, the Carolina game is a great example of what I think is the two main contributing factors or, or there's more than that. Um, two of the main contributing factors, let's say that of the Falcons problems offensively, which is both the lack of talent at wide receiver position and the fact that the quarterback isn't playing particularly well. Now, as we noted on yesterday's episode, when we did an analytics Tuesday, we talked about two plays that Matt Ryan potentially missed that were potential touchdowns. Uh, watching the television copy and watching the film sort of confirmed what I saw on the television copy. The first one, the first most notable one was the underthrown pass that he had on the opening play of the third quarter uh, to Tajay Sharp, uh, where he was wide open for a potential touchdown. And then earlier in the game in the second quarter, uh, where he had an open Alameda Zacchaeus in the red zone when the Panthers ran a all out cover two or I'm sorry, cover zero blitz. However, it's not just on Matt Ryan. The wide receivers did not step up in this game because one of the things that a lot of people noted in this game was Carolina dropped four interceptions in this game. But watching the film, all four of those interceptions were not on the quarterback. The first one came on the second series in the, of the game in the first quarter on a throw to Cordero Patterson where he stopped running his route and the Carolina defender had a position to run his route for him as uh, Jonathan Vilma indicated on the commentary and nearly picked it off. Then you had two passes to Russell Gage uh, as the game progressed that went through his hands and, you know, bounced out of the hands of a Carolina defender. And then you had a flea flicker on that same series in the third quarter uh, where the, uh, where Matt Ryan underthrew Tajay Sharp to start that series. But later in that series, they ran a flea flicker and the, 
Tajay Sharp was running an over route and also kind of stopped his route and Matt Ryan threw to the spot where he would have been had he continued on his route. Uh, and that almost led to another interception. So to me, that's why those two things work hand in hand or why the Falcons offense is struggling. You have plays where the quarterback is not performing up to par. And then you have plays where the wide receivers are letting him down. It's not just one or the other. Uh, and, you know, basically the argument I would essentially present is that I think the Falcons receivers, and again, we're not just focused on the wide receiver group. We're talking about the running back and tight ends as well, because those guys are also on the field and simply, you know, saying uh, you got five, you know, receivers on any given pass play on the field. Uh, and so only factoring in the two or three guys that have WR in front of their name uh, as part of the conversation doesn't make a, a ton of sense to me. But, you know, one of the things uh, that I would say of this receiver group, it's probably overall like a five out of 10. Now, I think the perception is, particularly when people focus on the the WRs on, on the team, is like it's a three out of 10 uh, group. Um, but I would sit here and say, in contrast to that, when I look at Matt Ryan's quarterback play, I would probably... And this may be generous at time. I would say over the last month, it's probably not this high, but overall this season, given how well he played for that, you know, four out of the five game stretch from week three to week nine. Um, but overall, I would say Matt Ryan's performance this year is like a six out of 10. But I think the perception is that Matt Ryan is capable of, of playing at an eight out of 10. And certainly in four games this year, he did play like an eight out of 10, but the rest of the season is, is sort of dragged that number down. Um, and I think a lot of people look at the receivers you know, and look at that, you know, the perceived three out of 10 as the thing that's dragging down that eight out of 10. And I, I just don't think that's the case. I think that perception is is not true. And, and another play that illustrates that watching the film, um, and there was a couple of plays I could, I could sit here and nitpick, but the most glaring example of what you've heard someone like Kurt Warner talk about, and I'll probably link to that video in the description in his breakdown of Matt Ryan's questionable decision-making and reads uh, it, this past week. Um, but another play that s- sprung up on this Carolina game was on that same drive where we had the underthrow and the flea flicker in the third quarter at the end of that drive, the Falcons had a third and eight at the Panthers 20 uh, and then ultimately did not convert that third down and, and settle for a field goal, but they had an opportunity to move the chains on that drive and Matt Ryan missed a read. Now, if you watch the the television copy of that play, Matt Ryan held on to the ball and then eventually kind of threw it away in the direction of Mike Davis to avoid a sack. And so you would probably watch the television copy of that play and say, oh, the receivers didn't get open and the protection broke down. And, you know, that's a microcosm of the Falcons uh, offensive struggles. And this team is not giving him enough help. But the film tells a different story. Right. The Falcons basically ran a flat seven concept against the Panthers cover two. Uh, and basically they ran a three by one set or a bunch formation to the left side where they had three receivers, Zacchaeus, Gage and Sharp on that side of the field. Kyle Pitts was split out wide on the single side and Mike Davis was the running back in the backfield. Um, and Zacchaeus wasn't part of the concept. He ran basically a simple pivot route. Uh, and so the concept was you had an out route uh, for Tajay Sharp where he ran shallow into the flat. Right. Uh, and then you had Gage running a seven route. That's why it's called flat seven, uh, which is a corner route uh, where the receiver goes up and out towards the sideline. Um, and that was basically the concept. And it's basically a, a concept that's perfect for beating cover two because it puts the cover two corner, the flat defender in this case, and Stefan Gilmore specifically in on this play in conflict. Right. It's a simple high low read. The deep safety is not going to be able to cover the seven route that Gage is running. Um, and so the only way that that gets defended is if the cornerback, Stefan Gilmore, sinks on that throw and, and plays the deep 
pass, which leaves the underneath receiver open. But if he plays his responsibility and plays the flat, like he's supposed to traditionally do in cover two, that will leave that seven route open. And so basically Matt Ryan on that play, the quarterback on that play has to read one defender. It's a simple read. What does the cornerback do? Does he sink? If he sinks, then you throw the flat. If he doesn't sink, then you throw the the seven. And so Matt Ryan seemingly on that play was reading the defender, was looking in that direction. Uh, Gilmore sunk on it, defended the seven. Uh, and so the, the flat came open. Tajay Sharp was wide open at the sticks. Just should have ball would have put on him. He just would have to turned up field and gain like half a yard after the catch, which he would have uh, reached out and, and converted. And the Falcons could have kept that drive going instead of selling for the field goal. But Matt Ryan was looking at it, didn't pull the trigger. Um, and, you know, he held on to the ball, then kind of came back looking at his check down at the point where he should have pulled the trigger in a clean pocket at that point in time uh, to Tajay Sharp. He decided to look back at his check down um, and, you know, didn't even pull the trigger on that. So if you're going to defend Matt Ryan's decision making on that play, maybe you sit there and say, OK, the clock in his head was sped up because of the lack of trust in the offensive line. And so he didn't think he had that extra half a second to to sit there or really it was 0.2 seconds probably at that point in time. Uh, but that a- extra split second to sit there and pull the trigger on the, on the sharp throw then went to the, the check down. But then again, if, if that was the case and he was worried about the pressure, why didn't he throw to the open check down there and then held on to the ball? And then basically the play completely broke down from that point in time. And so this is not meant to pick on Matt Ryan. Um, as I said on yesterday's episode, I think the Carolina game, watching the film still is the best game that Matt Ryan has had since that week nine game. Uh, and again, but I, again, I would probably give it like a C plus sort of performance, uh, which gets back to the whole six out of 10, I guess, if that qualifies as a C plus. Um, and so like, that's why some of the stuff that I'm talking about with why I think the Falcons have to be hesitant to extend Matt Ryan. Like, I think a lot of this is probably related to discomfort in the offense, running the first year of the offense, having all these new weapons, trying to get used to them, similar dynamic that happened in 2015. And then he had a security blanket by the name of Julio Jones that he could just basically force the ball through. Uh, and that led to him throwing a lot of interceptions. Um, and he's been trying to do that quite a bit, I think, in over the last four to six months, uh, or four to six weeks, I'm sorry, with Kyle Pitts. And un- unfortunately, again, it's not a knock on Kyle Pitts, but he's just not that dude. He's not 2015 Julio Jones that was on pace to have like 1,800 yards that season before he got hurt. Uh, he's not that guy. Uh, Kyle Pitts is a very good wide receiver, having historic rookie season. Um, you know, one of the best seasons a rookie tight end has ever had, or maybe a rookie receiver, if you want to call it that, um, given that he plays more wide receiver than he plays tight end. Uh, but that's a conversation for another day. So I, I think these issues are problems that can go away next year in 2022. So even though I am reluctant to extend Matt Ryan, if he comes back and bounces back and shows the comfort and Kyle Pitts in year two looks more like Julio Jones in his prime, uh, you get Calvin Ridley back, you get all these, you add more weapons, you improve the offensive line so that he won't have as quick a trigger in his head or whatever the case may be. Then I think all of these issues that we're talking about in these questionable decisions could easily go away. So it's not to be like, I'm out, Matt Ryan's washed or anything like that. It's just like, until you see that these problems go away, I would not assume that these problems are going to go away, especially when it comes to money and you're going to be making like a $30 million bet that, oh, these problems are automatically going to go away. If you don't have to make that $30 million bet, if you can bet $0 and and see the, that, that problem potentially go away, which is what the Falcons would be doing uh, by restructuring him essentially rather than extending him and, and betting $30 million, essentially, uh, just to use an example, 
like, why wouldn't you just bet $0? You know what I'm saying? So that's kind of where I'm at with, with the whole Matt Ryan conversation. It's not that I'm out on Matt Ryan. It's just like right now he's not playing at a high level. And I think this game, despite the fact that there were certainly a number of plays where his receivers let him down, that would have led to some negative plays that would have changed the perception of Matt Ryan's performance in this game. Uh, inevitably, um, you know, I, I think there's still some, you know, meat on the bone when it comes to Matt Ryan's decision-making. And I think this game had another example. And then the Kurt Warner video that I'm probably going to link to in the description uh, is examples of other examples. So we will leave the Matt Ryan conversation at that point in time. We spent 30 minutes talking to Matt Ryan. We're going to talk the rest of the show about Jalen Hawkins and what the Falcons safety position and what the film showed me from Jalen Hawkins and, and what, you know, the Falcons adjustments might need to be made over this final month of the season at the safety position based off of the film I saw on Sunday against Carolina. So we'll get into that as we continue today's Locked On Falcons episode. But before we do, I want to let you guys know that if you watch or listen to Locked On Falcons as your first listen, I want to thank you for that. Of course, Locked On Falcons is free and available in a variety of podcasts uh, and YouTube platforms nowadays, but there's also other shows in the Atlanta, Georgia area, and that's Locked On Bulldogs, Locked On Braves, Locked On Hawks, and you can find all of those on Apple, Odyssey, Google, and Spotify. And Locked On Braves and Locked On Bulldogs are also free and available on YouTube, just like Locked On Falcons. It's the holiday season, and so why not grab a protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar, or even better than a candy bar? If you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm talking about Built Bars, the best tasting protein bar on the market. They're rich with decadent flavor, covered in chocolate, but they're healthy too. They're low in sugar, carbs, calories, and fat, but high in protein and fiber. You get the best of both worlds, both delicious and healthy. They got holiday flavors just in time for the holiday season. They got gingerbread and eggnog. The gingerbread flavor is now available for 10% off. You also got other limited time flavors like caramel macchiato, coconut brownie chunk, white chocolate cheesecake. I got a box of those three flavors coming to me later this week. You also got the tried and true all-time favorites at Built Bar like coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, cookies and cream, double chocolate and more. You also got a sale of Paranormal Pumpkin, a limited time flavor they've had all fall long, but you can get the scoop on what flavors are on sale, what flavors are free and available. They're changing constantly and have been doing so for the last couple of months by heading over to built.com. And when you do make sure you use the promo code locked 15 at checkout for 15% off your order. Again, that's promo code locked 15 for 15% off at built.com. So let's talk about Jalen Hawkins on the all 22 and what I saw that was going to be the, the primary focus of today's conversation. But, you know, outside of the, the Jalen Hawkins stance, and I know you're out there and you, you should be out there. Um, you know, that's probably not the, the meat of the conversation that probably most of you guys are listening to. So we had to spend 25 plus minutes on Matt Ryan. But uh, let's talk about Jalen Hawkins. And what was notable to me, given the situation that the Falcons have at the safety position with Eric Harris being out for the season with the torn pectoral. And one of the things I mentioned on yesterday's episode, when I talked about that injury and the impact of that injury is, you know, even though Eric Harris is by no means a world beater, he was embodying the sort of Dean Pease mantra that comes from that new England school of everybody do your job on defense and we'll be all right. Um, and, you know, I think Eric Harris did a really good job. There were rarely instances over the, over the, over the season where I saw Eric Harris out of position. Uh, there were a couple of times early in the season, but you know, Basically, since like week two, I haven't really seen that uh, on a consistent basis. The only knock on Eric Harris was just sort of limitations athletically when it came to covering tight ends like Gronk or making tackles in space, going up against guys like Ramondre Stevenson in the hole and whatnot. But, um, you know, the question with Jalen Hawkins, I don't think you have the same athletic limitations with Jalen Hawkins 
uh, going from Eric Harris. Uh, so that that's a potential upgrade. But you do wonder if Jalen Hawkins is going to be as consistent doing his job um, because there were a couple of instances in this Carolina game where it seemed like Jalen Hawkins was out of position. There was a couple of plays where he kind of bit on the run action, read option fakes that the Carolina was doing in the backfield. And that seemed to open up some windows that Cam Newton was able to hit. DJ Moore behind him, uh, you know, for some big gains. Um, there were, you know, there were a couple of plays. There was one play in particular where I was trying to struggling to figure out what coverage the Falcons were in, uh, where the Panthers ran a, a pair of stack concepts on either side of the field, where they had two receivers lined up on this side, uh, two receivers lined up on that side, and the Falcons motioned Eric Harris. This was on the opening drive of the game uh, before Eric Harris exited the game and they motioned Eric Harris to one side where he lined up with Fabian Monroe. So you had basically the two receivers covered on that side. Deron Harmon was the deep safety. Um, and on the other side, you obviously had AJ Terrell, but seemingly if you needed to have two defenders on that side, it would have been Jalen Hawkins because they were running three safeties on this play buzzed out to the flat to, to help AJ Terrell. And basically Cam Newton at the snap said, okay, I got two versus two on this side with Harris and Moreau. I got two versus one on the side with uh, Terrell. Um, and so I have the number. So I'm just going to throw a quick screen to that side. And DJ Moore was able to gain like 11 yards pretty easily before uh, Jalen Hawkins was able to get there. So what was interesting about that play, cause I don't know if that play was supposed to be cover two or cover three or cover one. Uh, but later in the game, they Carolina basically ran the same concept or at least lined up in the same formation. Um, and uh, on that particular play, the Falcons had made the adjustment and, and Jalen Hawkins did go out to the cover uh, in the flat uh, alongside the corner. Uh, and, and seemingly they fixed that problem. So um, it seemed like Jalen Hawkins made that mistake on the initial play and they corrected it. And on the, the secondary play, that was a play where John Kaminsky, I think was able to get pressure on uh, Cam Newton and force uh, incompletion there. Um, but, you know, those are sort of the plays that you're, you didn't necessarily see consistently Eric Harris, those sort of mistakes that Eric Harris, and you wonder a little bit if Jalen Hawkins can be more prone to making some of those decisions. And then if that's the case, you know, do you see a significant dip in your safety play, even though I think most of us would agree that Jalen Hawkins has the potential to be a much better safety than any of the two starters in Harris or Harmon uh, have because of what we talked about earlier. And you do wonder about that because Deron Harmon kind of, has um, not been good this year, uh, much to my chagrin, uh, thinking that he was going to be a, a solid, steady piece. He's been asked to play that deep uh, free safety quite a bit in, in the Falcon scheme, and that's probably the best usage of him, but he hasn't necessarily played that at a high level because he has a tendency to be a little bit more conservative when it comes to you know the instincts and awareness of being able to play things. He, he has a tendency to let uh, too much stuff happen in front of him uh, rather than breaking on some of those underneath and crossers and deep crossers and whatnot that you kind of want in that deep uh, cover one safety. And, you know, going back to Jalen Hawkins' really strong performances against Miami and the Jets, you saw more of that instincts and that awareness le led to those interceptions that he had in that game where he was a little bit more aggressive. So you do wonder, you know, moving forward, would the Falcons defense be better with Jalen Hawkins playing that deep safety responsibility over Deron Harmon? But then again, do, does that leave Deron Harmon to be more of that box slot sort of safety that Eric Harris was that can be moved around the formation to do different things? That's not really something that Deron Harmon has a lot of experience doing, nor has a lot of evidence to show that he can do it at a particularly high level. Jalen Hawkins is a much better fit for that role uh, that Eric Harris is vacating. And so do you, you then wonder, okay, 
does that mean that you put another safety out there? Jalen Hawkins playing deep. And do you bring Sean Williams off the practice squad to play that role? Cause that's more similar to what Sean Williams did in Cincinnati. Do you ask Richie Grant to do that? And then if you ask Richie Grant to play that safety role, uh, does that mean that you're all in on Darren Hall and Avery Williams at the slot? cornerback position. So there's a lot of moving parts here with the Falcon secondary. Basically all this gets nipped into the bud. If, if Jalen Hawkins steps into Eric Harris's role and basically is as good or better and doesn't, you don't see these mental errors and you're not necessarily having to play these musical chairs and you can at least continue on the track that the Falcons are on. You don't necessarily have to take a step back at, at the, on the defensive side of the ball. And so that is at least in theoretically you can get better. Obviously you want to see improvement, but at least you're not going, taking a step back is the point I'm trying to make. So I don't, I don't know the answer to that. That's going to be the thing, you know, as we watch more film over the last month to see sort of how that plays out, but we'll have to see. I think Jalen Hawkins is perfectly capable of it because he showed it earlier this season uh, in the Miami and Jets game. But in this Carolina game was a little bit up and down. But the fact that seemingly they got it fixed in the second half, I think he did play better in the second half than he did. A lot of these mental error mistakes were in the first half of the game. So uh, hopefully that's something that the Falcons can monitor and, and get fixed moving forward uh, as we continue uh, this 2021 season. But that's going to do it for us here on Locked on Falcons, guys. I appreciate you for tuning in uh, for another All-22 in Q&A. I guess we put the Q&A first uh, versus the All-22. Tomorrow will be, of course, a crossover Thursday where I will be joined by Locked on 49ers host Brian Peacock and Eric Crocker to talk about this Week 15 matchup between the Falcons and 49ers. If you want to ask questions for a future Q and a, of course you can do so by hitting me up on Twitter at locked on Falcons on Facebook at locked on Falcons on the email address is locked on Falcons at mail.com. And of course you can leave a comment here on YouTube at locked on Falcons. Make sure you subscribe, make sure you give us that thumbs up. So that will do it for us here again on locked on Falcons guide today. Uh, always have recommendations for your second listen. Thank you for making locked on Falcons your first listen. But of course the, the biggest recommendation I can have this point in the calendar year if you're trying to make some money before the holiday so you can buy some gifts or save some money make some back some money that you spent on your holiday gifts or you just want to get a nice little cushion heading into some bigger bets that you want to make in the postseason and for the super bowl of course the best uh, locked on show to listen to is the locked on bets podcast where handicapping expert lee sterling is giving you his daily picks his blood specials and of course his lock of the day check out locked on bets on the variety of podcast platforms including apple odyssey google and spotify so guys there you have it appreciate you for tuning in we'll be back tomorrow with a crossover thursday till then